Getting engaged is a moment worth cherishing. A one-of-a-kind ring that you design at Blue Nile can help your love sparkle. Just choose your diamond and setting. When you've found the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Finding the right engagement ring can be nerve-wracking. At Blue Nile, you'll have the expert guidance needed and a diamond guarantee that ensures you're getting the highest quality at the best price. Cherish all of life's moments and save up to 30% at BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. 6.30 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 6.30 Chad. McDavid centers. One-timer score. Oscar Clefbaum and Edmonton strikes again in overtime. This time, it's Clefbaum. He takes the snap. He looks to the right side. He's throwing to the end zone. There it is. Touchdown, Eskimos. Duke Williams. Edmonton's home for breaking news on your favorite teams. This is Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on the voice of your Edmonton Oilers and Eskimos. 6.30 Chad. Friday night football, one minute left in the first quarter. Toronto and Montreal tied 3-3. Both teams struggling on the season. The Argos are 3-5. Montreal just 1-8. Thanks a lot for tuning in. Hope your weekend is off to a great start. My name is Reed Wilkins. It's Inside Sports on Eskimos and Oilers Radio 630. Ched, the phone lines are open, 780-496-0063. Of course, the text line is available. You can use your smartphone to text 630-630. The email, insidesports at 630ched.com. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, will join us in a few minutes to... Breakdown, a broken game by the Edmonton Eskimos. They were never really playing well, but they had a pretty healthy lead. And maybe they were going to steal one. Yeah, well, so much for that. Here's how it sounded. Morley and Dave had the call. He gives it to Green. He gets around the corner, hits to the end zone. Touchdown, Tiger Cats. Riley looks. He's going over the top, and that is complete. Touchdown, Eskimos. Darrell Walker takes it to the end zone, and the Eskimos are a convert away from tying this one. Second and 14 from their own 15-yard line. In some trouble on second and extra. Riley drops back. He's got some time. Now he's run out of it, and he'll have to run out of the pocket to the left side. Throws deep downfield, and it is complete. Look at that. Nothing but daylight. It's going to be a touchdown for the Eskimos as Duke Williams strikes again. The Duke of six gives the Eskimos the lead. Ronnie takes a drop. He's got some time. He throws to the end zone and touchdown Eskimos. Darrell Walker's got a pair. Solely throws and it is uh, complete across the 35 to the 30 and it's Tasker and he's going to go to the five touchdown. The third down gamble pays off for the Ticats. Luke Tasker takes it to the end zone. Let's see what he does here under pressure from the 29. Put the Ticats in the lead as time expires. It's a walk-off field goal for the Hamilton Tiger Cats. Well, there it was. I mean, look, the Eskimos were outplayed. They were not the better team. Having said that, they were up 11 points with six minutes to go. They were outscored 12-0 in the last six minutes. They were up 14 points at the half. They were outscored 15-0 in the second half. Uh, As bad as it was, 
And as much as they were outplayed, they kick a field goal in the second half. A lousy field goal. One drive deep enough into the opponent's territory, uh, they probably win the game. Maybe a game they don't deserve. They were in it because they made big plays. You heard the pass to Williams, the pass to Walker. They uh, and, and Hamilton made more mistakes, and that was the story of the first three quarters. Uh, you know, and why the Eskimos had a 24-13 lead going to the fourth. Edmonton made some huge plays. Hamilton was making more plays, but not bigger plays. And then Hamilton was making some massive mistakes. A couple of, and Masoli's a good quarterback, and he has had a field day against the Eskimos generally in his career. He made a couple of bad decisions on blitzes, threw the ball directly to Eskimos players. That helped Edmonton. There was the fumble as well. So, hey, there's two ways to win. Make plays and don't make mistakes. And the Eskimos were at least making, well, they, were made, they made mistakes, but they made fewer mistakes through the first three quarters. They made bigger plays, and they were on the verge of stealing one. And then they can't get first downs, and uh, they can't get any stops, especially on second and long, and obviously the third down play to uh, to Tasker. The Eskimos are 6-4, and four, which is not a horrific record, not a great record. I mean, okay, you're, uh, you know, you're above 500. But there are some trends with this team, that the, this year's version of the team that that are alarming. There, there were trends every every year. I think has trends. Teams develop as an, an identity as it goes along. We have a Grey Cup championship in this city in recent memory in 2015, and the trend there was that put us in a close game. We'll handle it. We'll pull it out in the last three minutes, last drive, last play, overtime, whatever it takes. And that was the identity of a 2015 that. 2015 team that was six and four and ran the table to win the Grey Cup. I cannot see that happening this year, though. Uh, you know, I always try to remain optimistic for some better play as we go along. Uh, we'll look deeper into uh, some of the things that happened. I mentioned Blake Dermott is coming up, but of course there is uh, plenty of time for your phone calls. Seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. We have Doug kicking it off tonight. Go ahead, Doug. Hey, Reed. Yeah, I think you hit it on the head with the word trends. I think that's the thing that's probably frustrating Eskimo fans the most today, and I'm I'm one of them. And it's the I mean I think we're all a bit tired of hearing the talk of we're going to clean up the penalties, we're going to be more consistent offensively throughout four quarters, and week in week out the same things are happening. I mean you you can't if you're Jason Moss you can't come out as clearly as he did about penalties and then on their opening play offensively last night take a 15-yard unnecessary roughness penalty that completely sapped any momentum from the shared interception that's just a microcosm i think of these trends that continue and frankly it continued from last year their secondary just can't cover tackling is a huge issue and has been for a couple years now Uh, special teams uh, they have i mean there's no return game we haven't had a return game here since since Tristan Jackson was our returner, that's a decade ago, I'm going to assume 30 to 40% of kick returns the Eskimos will take a penalty on. So these are trends that have continued through this year and from last year, and I think that's why Eskimo fans are frustrated, and frankly, I think why this is a generally average team. There's a lot of talent on this team, but to be good goes beyond just talent, and I think right now we're seeing the fact that they cannot put a consistent effort together and some of these trends that you mentioned that I just talked about I think are a big part of the issue. Yeah, and things tend to spin out of control and 
you know, as an observer, you get feelings watching teams. And I referenced 2015, and maybe it's a little unfair to me to compare it to a Grey Cup year. Um, but but still, I mean, the, the the standard in this city with the Eskimos is that uh, is that you're at least a contender every year. And it's it's funny though that that team in 2015 could have been down 10 points with 10 minutes to go, and you would have felt they're going to figure it out. Doug, I'll tell you this. As soon as Hamilton kicked the field goal with six minutes left to get within eight, uh, you know, I watched most of the most of the games with my mom and dad. I, I looked at my parents and I said, uh, I, I said that Hamilton's at least going to tie it. You know, yeah. and up up eight. The the team I'm hoping wins is up eight with about yeah. five forty five to go, and I'm I'm starting to think it might be a lost cause. You should be thinking, big deal. We drive down at least kick a field goal back. We got it. But uh, you just don't have that vibe with this year's Eskimos. No, and yeah, I think you're right. And I'll, I mean, maybe I'm even more of a skeptic in some ways because I, I started to feel it even on their opening drive of the second half. It's the the fumble by Gable. So they come out of the locker room a bit flat again. Hamilton gets the gets the field goal. Then they kind of settle down, and nothing really happened. But no, I think you're right. And that's the issue is that you don't. There isn't a lot of confidence that this defense can get a stop when they need to. We saw that late in the fourth. And though this offense at times is spectacular, as we saw in the second quarter last night. There isn't always a lot of confidence that they can get that key first down at key times. And again, we saw that late in the fourth quarter last night. So it's just these disturbing trends that exactly as you say, you just start to get a feeling that they, they, they either sense it themselves that they can't get out of a, go to get out of a quarter like, like in like the fourth last night, or, you know, maybe we as fans have just seen it too much as well. So we're just becoming really big time skeptics. Well, they, they need to turn something around. Um, you know, Roster-wise, I mean, Calgary's got the best roster in the league, but uh, there appears to be a little something between the years here for the Eskimos, too. Doug, it's always great to hear from you. Likewise. Thanks, Reed. That is Doug at 780-496-0063. John texting in. He says the Eskimos' defense is horrifically bad. They would get lit up by nine-year-olds playing peewee football. There are three aspects to defense. Get pressure, tackle, and cover. Fail, fail, epic fail. They're like the Keystone Cops out there. That's from John. Well, John, you know, I'll tell you this. They, they blitz. They still give up yards. They play zone. They still give up yards. And they play man-to-man. They still give up yards. If, if there's another type of defense that somebody can suggest, uh, I'm open to it. And also when they blitz, they often don't get the pressure that you would hope. Now, Mazzoli didn't handle a couple blitzes very well yesterday and got picked. But, uh, you know, often the the opposing quarterback still has enough time to to make a play. Well, here's going to be a good one. It's uh, good old Matt from Section O. Uh, I'm happy to hear from you, Matt. Go ahead. Hey, Reed. How's it going, buddy? Can you hear me okay? Yes, I can hear you fine. Perfect. So uh, I'm just looking at the box score here from last night, and there's just a couple more disturbing stats from the game that I just want to bring up. Look at Hamilton's time of possession, 35 minutes to the Eskimos' 24 minutes. Yep. And another kind of disturbing stat that I want to bring up here is Mike Riley, 15 for 25 for 250 yards passing. Mm-hmm. Now, in that 250 yards, you got to remember the two big plays that he had. The one to, uh, I was going to say Darrell Williams, geez. Um, the one to Williams, I think, was in the second quarter. Of, uh, yeah, no, it, it was the oh, second, second quarter. quarter where, All the yeah, points were in the second quarter. Yeah, where he went like 70-something yards for that pass where his leg was just almost over the line of scrimmage. So this is one of these games, and I said it last night on the Points After Show with Dave, this is one of these games where it's a season-defining moment. 
can either go horrendously off the rails from here are, from from here on in, and it's not going to get any easier. You got back to back against Calgary. You got a couple games against Winnipeg. You got, another, you got another one against the coin toss of the Saskatchewan. Or you can dig deep, find heart, and make this game your rallying point around the season. So it's either which way do you want to go? And Dave actually last night brought up a stat that I had no idea about. The Eskimos were never in a second and short situation. That's right. Do you remember that? Yeah, that was I heard Dave say that. That was that was a great stat. They never really got six or seven yards on first down. Exactly. And you know, I was thinking about it some more today. And I said, well, maybe this game wasn't so bad. You know, we came off a short week. I think we had one day's rest after the Montreal game. We returned to practice in the travel day to Hamilton. And your starting quarterback just had a baby. And we all know what newborns are like. And so, in my opinion, his only really time of rest was when he got to the hotel. So, I mean, not to make excuses for anybody, but I would hope to think that that factored in a little bit to some of why the offense was stalling and whatnot. But... Uh, Blake last night on Points After Show also said something else. It's almost like the guys are waiting for Mike Riley to rally them. Mm-hmm. Somebody got to step up. Somebody step up and be the secondary, third, fourth, fifth leader on this team. It doesn't always have to be Mike Riley. So we got back to back up against Calgary, and we all know what Labor Day is like. So you know what? It's going to be interesting to hear on in. And the majority of our games are against Western teams. So, you know what? Hang on for the ride. I'm excited. I haven't lost faith in this. So, we got a pseudo bye week. I think they got four or five days off. Practice will start till Thursday. So, some good rest period. Heal up those injuries. And you know what? If we play good against Calgary and have a good rebound game, then you know what? We can forget about this stinker. But if we come and if we lose both games against Calgary, then you're almost looking at a crossover spot. Yeah. So... Let's get a split at least. Hopefully we can win both. But you know what? The real test is coming right up. So let's see what this team's made of, Reed. Right on, Matt. Thanks for the call. Well, fair point. It's happened. It's in the past. Now how do you react? And and Blake and I will talk a little bit about the leadership and uh, pulling together after a game like that. You're listening to Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on Edmonton Sports Leader, 630 Chad. Eskimos are 6-4. and four. They've lost two of their last three. Last night, they were outscored 15-0 in the second half in Hamilton. Their previous loss, August 9th in Vancouver, the Lions outscored the Eskimos 21-3 in the second half. Man, earlier this year, we were talking about poor starts. Now we're talking about the Eskimos not being able to finish. 780-496-0063. We have John on the line. Go ahead, John. I read, um, I think we got to accept the fact that this last night was another game that showed that we just don't have the defense personnel to do the job. We we desperately need two more good cover guys that have speed and can tackle, and we're not getting that with Edwards, who takes one or two stupid penalties a game. We're not getting that with Taylor. He had a terrible game. And so, and we need somebody to help out. Aaron Grimes, we need somebody to help. J.C. Sherritt, we need a big, tough linebacker. I don't know if we're going to get help with Konar. Mm-hmm. Or if Johnny Adams is going to be coming back, 
but I think Brock Sunderland has got to be checking the NFL cuts. You might as well accept the fact right now that we're not good enough on defense. We've got to fix that somehow. The other things that were really bothersome last night, I think Jason Moss has to accept part of the blame because the play calling in the second half was just terrible. We, Hamilton was committing guys to shut down the run, and we're wasting first down. It, like it's already been mentioned, it was first and nine or second and nine. Just, just terrible, and I, I, just, I don't understand that. The other things that, that kind of crept in there, all, all of our top receivers dropped really simple, straightforward passes in the third quarter. We would have given us three or four more first downs. Yep. We had 13 first downs in the whole game. That's, that's just unbelievable. And then you put Hazleton in, in place of Brian Mitchell, and he takes two stupid penalties. Vaughn takes a dumb penalty. And on the first or second offensive play of the game, yep. that's just so discouraging, you know. So I think uh, I would like to see one or two of our top receivers, you know, say, okay, Mike Riley, we need a first down. You find me. I'm going to get open. And it's going to be for 10 or 12-yard pass, not a 40-yard pass. So I, I just I, I find the whole thing is really quite disturbing. There's been enough talk about how we're going to be ready for playoffs and the Grey Cup game. I, I would like to see more more definite action from the receivers instead of planning how they're going to celebrate the next touchdown. I just, I just <laughs> well think said. there's got to yeah. be an attitude adjustment there. Well said, John. Thanks a lot for calling. No problem. Thanks, Reed. That's John. Always has some good comments. Uh, yeah, I'll, I want to get into a little more to the personnel on defense, but I'll bring Dan in here. Hey, Dan, go ahead. How's it going, Reed? Doing quite well. Nice to hear from you. Good, thanks. Uh, yeah, I agree with John uh, a little bit. It, it seems like uh, Eskimos this year, it, it's almost like a like a sum of the parts problem where, you know, a lot of the pieces are in place, but it doesn't seem like they add up like they should on game day. And uh, um, I agree with his comment that Brock Sunderland's got some work to do. Um, you know, as you know, there's two seasons in the CFL. One is to get to Labor Day and one is after Labor Day. And a big part of that is the NFL cuts and and the quality of free agents that if you're a good GM and, and you're well-connected and you know what you need and you know what your team needs, uh, the second half of the season can look drastically different than the first half of the season. And the Eskimos, you know, 6-4 and four and, and the best quarterback in the league, it's it's hard to argue with, with some of the pieces that they have and the, and the receivers that everyone talks about. But something's, something's not right. Something doesn't add up. The defense is not, uh, is not you know, the defense leads the league in sacks. It leads the league in, in interceptions, but yet we can't get a stop when we need it. Um, we can't get plays when we need them, and, and the offense is the same. We, we score points when we don't need them, but when we need drives and when we need first downs, uh, we can't get them. So something doesn't add up, and, and something's not right. And I think the pressure is on Brock Sunderland because there are pieces in place. This is a, to me anyway, this is a Grey Cup caliber team that's not playing Grey Cup caliber football. And sometimes the spark needs to come from, from a player or a transaction from the front office. And I think at least I'll be watching after Labor Day when the NFL cuts come. Remember, uh, the Eskimos have got 
some amazing players from the NFL cuts. We got Matt O'Donnell a couple of years ago. We got Matt O'Donnell twice from NFL cuts, and he helped change uh, the flow of the offense when he came in uh, two years ago. And I think that's the kind of move and acquisition that, that's needed for a team that looks like it's waiting for something to to sort of turn the season around and to start turning some of these negatives into positives. Well, you hit on a lot of good stuff there, Dan, uh, and you mentioned they don't get the plays where they need it, and I keep going back to this. They are a feast or famine team. It's like, yeah, they might get a sack or interception every 15th play. Well, the other 14 plays, you're giving up 10 to 15 yards every play, right? And, and Yeah, and doesn't that tell you that we have talent on the roster that can make those plays, but we don't have, whether it's discipline or culture or practice or leadership or whatever it is, good teams know how to make good plays on a consistent basis, not just every yeah. once in a while. Maybe and, they think they're better and, than they are. Maybe, like, maybe yeah. Is it that simple? Do they think they're better than they are? Like John, John before you, kind of tongue-in-cheek, said maybe we need less planning of touchdown celebrations and more guys catching basic six-yard slant patterns and then running yeah. four yards. Like, yeah, and th- I mean, there's an ebb and flow in a CFL season. It's a long season, so there's going to be some periods where you can't play your best every game but it just seems like over and over we've seen some efforts that not only like uh you know not being ready for an entire game but just like phasing out for two quarters like how does a how does an offense as talented as ours not score a single point in a half of football against you know not a titan of the league we should be able to uh do something especially when you know that the the game the result of the game hangs in the balance if you can get four or five first downs or score a point in the second half. That game was ours to, to win uh, with a 14-point lead in the second half, and, and our offense did nothing. And, and I, you know, I think there's something missing. I think it's, whether it's the coaching staff or the leadership group, it's, it's a talented roster, but I, I don't think we're maximizing our potential. And, yeah. and in a Grey Cup, you're, when you have the chance to host a Grey Cup in your, your city, I think it's up to the general manager to make sure that if there's a trade to be made or a free agent acquisition to be, you know, to be signed, that he's aggressive because I, I do, I do think there's something missing. Dan, great call. I got to run to the news. Thanks for calling in. We'll do. Your home for breaking news and expert opinion. Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins on six thirty, Chad. All right. Thank you so much for tuning in tonight. 9-3 late in the first half. Montreal leading Toronto in the Canadian Football League. We'll keep an eye on that one. You can text 630-630 as uh, I know many of you delivering your feedback on uh, the Eskimos' disappointing outing last night, a one-point loss in Hamilton. This texter says, I disagree with Jason Moss's policy that injury doesn't cost you your spot. Performance uh, should lengthen the IR stay. Well, I think the probably the obvious reference there is Bryant Mitchell coming out, Vidal Hazelton healthy and coming back in. I wouldn't mind seeing Bryant Mitchell play on Labor Day against Calgary, I can tell you that. Sheldon says, good evening, Reed. Another type of defense is to, as a team, limit the time your defense is on the field. It's awesome to score on big plays, I get that, but you have to, as an offense, take time off the clock. If you score fast, it means your defense is back on the field right away. Game management is way underrated. Every game is like writing an essay. You build it play-by-play. That is from Sheldon. Well, the Eskimos couldn't sustain a drive yesterday. The big plays were great, 
But, uh, yeah, when they needed to grind out a little bit of clock or some first down yardage, they couldn't do it. Uh, Section O referenced Riley's passing yards. Riley passed for 250 yards. He had a 95-yard completion, a 36-yarder, and a 30. So he got 161 yards on three plays. You take those out, uh, Riley had 12 completions for 89 yards. Not going to move the ball. C.J. Gable had sixty uh, had 81 yards rushing, 61 of them on one play. You take out the big run, he had seven carries for 20 yards. So e- even with big plays, you still need to complement that with some decent drives. Paul says, I feel the Eskimos have an explosive offense at times, but overall aren't a solid and consistent team. I never know what to expect from them. That said, I'm hoping for a split with Calgary. That is from Paul. Well, consistency, bang on. Not getting that at all. 780-496-0063. Brian on the line. Hello, Brian. Hi. Um, the Eskimos are doing okay, but their tackling has been suspect the last few games. Like, open tackles, like, one guy and they go through six guys like I what's going on there that's that's my problem with them right now Brian did you describe the the tackling as suspect yeah don't you think you're being a little kind with that it's been awful <laughs> yeah well I I didn't know what you were gonna say Reed so I thought I'd be a little bit soft on you no that's so I mean there's too many too many missed tackles and and the coverage is too loose um, I just I just wonder if they don't quite have the horses on defense because they're trying to get pressure. It doesn't get there. Uh, you know, Grimes, to me, is the only consistent cover guy. I think Sherritt's a good linebacker, and, and I think Kwaku Boateng has a lot of potential as a defensive lineman. Other than that, who would you really rate as above average on the, on the Eskimos' defense? Uh, Anybody? I can't. Can't really say right now. Yeah, maybe you know, maybe some guys might be average, and the rest of them are are below average. That's 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 nine guys. That's three quarters of the defense that is probably average or below average. So you get picked apart. Yeah. Okay. Thank you. All right. Thanks, buddy. Right. That's Brian seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. Some good texts coming in here as well. Which one do I want to get to? Uh, this texture says, here's what I hear as a casual observer, Jason Moss saying the same things week after week, getting the same general results game after game. So is he not getting good enough material to work with, or is he not getting the point across to his team? It's starting to look like a management problem to me. That's from a, an anonymous texture. Hey, sign a name if, uh, if you got time. I'd like to know who it is. At least uh, talk, to you, talk to you with your first name. And uh, John has an interesting question here. I don't know if this has been brought up yet. He goes, how do you win the coin toss? and managed to somehow not have the wind in the fourth, which is the logical choice. Okay. That's a good question, John, because, yes, the Eskimos got all those points with the wind in the same quarter. They took the... the so they decided to take the ball to start the third quarter, which means Hamilton got to choose which way to go, and they took the wind for the fourth quarter, which did play a factor because Edmonton could have kicked a 45-yard field goal uh, late in the game to increase their lead, and they chose not to try it, and and Hugh O'Neill did a coffin corner punt. i got to say this. I I think O'Neill's been punting pretty well this season if we want to look for bright spots. Um, But, yeah, that's that's an interesting one from John. I mean, in, in hindsight... I don't think Moss was asked about it. Um, I, I would guess he's thinking, we just scored 24 points, Hamilton's reeling, let's just take the ball and try to add on to it right away. And Because I think if Edmonton, 
well, I mean, we know the final score, but I, I'm thinking going into the second half, they get to 31. Hamilton's probably not going to get to 32. But, yeah, wind in the fourth quarter could have made a difference. It is the longer quarter. The, the second and fourth quarters, there are more plays because of the way the clock runs in the final three minutes. So that's an interesting question there by John. One of those uh, good ones for armchair coaches, absolutely. All right, Brad at 780-496-0063. All right, Brad, thanks for calling. Hey, Reed, how are you doing tonight? Well, I'm doing all right. I assume you I assume you watch the game and are trying to calm down still. <laughs> <laughs> I never calm down. <laughs> I'm a season ticket old since 1978. And uh, I, I wonder why uh, Jason Moss does not seem to be able to make second-half adjustments. I, I want to know how many points for and against in the second half over the last two years, and I'll guarantee you that we're way outscored in the second half. It seems we were in the same plays, the same offense, and we don't make any adjustments. Well, Brad, I, I, I don't have that stat. I'll try to look it up, or, or, or Dave and Morley always get the stats pack that the CFL media guys get, so I'll try to ask them on Monday. But I, I, you probably heard me say the scores in the second half in their yeah, last yeah, two I, losses. 15 nothing in, in Hamilton, 21-3 yeah. in B.C., and that's the last two games, Reed. Last two losses. Yeah. The last two years. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Fair comment. I think there. Uh, I think the Eskimos have been, you know, out adjusted, which means out coached at second half. Sometimes yeah. I don't think it's happened exactly. all the time. I I yeah. think it was. I thought it was more of a factor in BC than it was last night because the Eskimos didn't really have a great game overall no. last night. But that's a fair question, Brad, for sure. Yeah. And uh, could you say hi to Blake for me? I went to school with him. Okay, yes, he's he's coming <laughs> he up. Thanks, call, Brad. He, he call he calls me Lou. Okay, he'll he'll know who you're talking about. Okay, okay thanks, Reed. Oh, thanks, Brad. That is Brad at seven eight zero four nine six zero zero six three. All right, uh, here's what we're gonna do. Oh, ten nine now. Toronto leading Montreal. Forty four seconds left in the uh, in the first half. CFL action tonight. We'll take a quick timeout and we'll bring in Blake Dermott for his thoughts on last night's game. Hey, a lot going on still ahead. We'll preview tomorrow's Canadian Derby. We'll preview tomorrow night's Prairie Junior Showdown between the two Edmonton teams. The Husky and the Wildcats. Pleased to welcome back to the show our Edmonton Eskimos analyst, the one and only Blake Dermott. Blake, how are you doing? Well, I'm, I'm, I'm doing a little better today than I was last night after the game. <laughs> well, fair enough. Uh, not, not all losses are created equally. They all count the same in the standings, but but some feel differently than others. And uh, the F word is being thrown around a lot after that one. Frustrating loss <laughs> yeah. for the Edmonton Eskimos. A lot of fans simply feeling frustrated. And it was uh, one explosive quarter by the Eskimos and, and not much else. Yeah, they, it, it was a slow start. Uh, and then all of a sudden, holy cow, uh, what happened? And, and then... And then they kind of figured that that was, uh, and, and I know that this is not what they're telling them, each other in the locker room. Okay, we did enough. We're, the game's over. We've won. But but there's, there just seemed to be uh, an absolute, uh, I don't know what it was. Like when you, you just stopped playing, you, you just felt like it was enough. You just, and that's, I'm sure that's not what happened in the, in the locker room and on, and on the field, but that's the impression and uh, impression is reality. And, and uh, you know, when you look at, you got 195 yards of passing, 
in the first half, I think is what it was. And you end up the game with 240, 240 or 250 yards in, in 55 yards of passing in the, uh, in the second half. And with the exception of that 60 yard run by CJ Gable, that was it for your offense. Like it was, it, it, I, I, I'm surprised they got over 300 yards, but then they gave up over 500 yards, 530 yards of offense, I think. And, uh, they the the time of possession in the first half was absolutely so lopsided. You went, how is Edmonton ahead at this point? But but again, they're good enough to to be able to to strike quickly and strike often. But they just don't have the ability or the I don't know what it is a mental makeup to be able to hang on to leads or to be satisfied with having a lead and to be able to control a game. And we have seen this time and time again with this group. And and that's why last night I, I brought up a. a, a I, I'm not sure that they've got the right leaders in that locker room. I'm not sure they have enough leaders. I think they've got they've got a leader in in uh, in Mike Riley. They've got a leader in C.J. Gable. But then where's the rest of them? Like on a football team, any football team, you, know, you got to have a half a dozen to like a dozen people that are are able to be able to lift uh, the group up when they need to be lifted. And there's nobody else there. And, and when you talk about leadership, all the things they've done and all the talking they've done about penalties, and oh my God, it's become such a broken record. And, uh, and they, they have no ability to be able to stop what they're doing now. And, uh, and that troubles me going forward the rest of the season. Well, you, you hit on a lot there, Blake. Uh, I, I'm going to start from this point of view, and, and I, I called into David Morley and said this last night after you were on, and, and I've hit on this point a few times throughout the season, and I think it applies to other sports too. Show me a good team, and I'll show you a team that that is still able to be productive even when they're not playing well. I mean, the Eskimos lost the second half 15 nothing. Blake, they could have lost the second half 15-6, and, and they win by a few points i mean it, it is it is so feast or famine with the eskimos uh and we've seen it in other games this year where they'll get shut out for a quarter or for 20 minutes or get badly outscored in a stretch of the game and that's re- that's really alarming to me is that when it goes bad for them they, they often can't keep it under control yeah and that that reminds me of uh this was, uh, I guess, uh, four years ago before the Eskimos started to do any kind of show any kind of uh, uh, chance to be a uh, like a conference leader. Uh, they they would go, they'd be in games, and then they'd give up 14 points over a period of four or five minutes, and then they were out of games. And uh, and and right now, you know, that's the toughest thing to to put a stop to, to drop anchor, and to stop is when when things start going bad. And this is a team. I know it's middle of the season. There's an awful lot of time left. They're six and four, and they could run the table and win the next, you know, uh, the next eight games and finish up 14 and four and and have an outstanding record. Uh, that's a possibility. I could win the Lotto Max tonight. I don't think that's going to happen. Um, I think that uh, they are they're they're at a crossroads within that locker room, within that organization right now, in figuring out how to stop what's what's become a pattern and it's become habit. And the habit is to to rely on a couple of guys to uh, to go out and win games for them. And uh, there's just like I said, I'm not sure that they got they they may have the athletes in the room. But sometimes there's got to be a considerable amount of leadership that directs the athletes or at least grabs the guys when they need to be grabbed to pull them along. And uh, I'm concerned they don't have that right now. I want to ask you a question here from each side of the ball. I'll, I'll start on offense. And, you know, again, they got, you know, most of the year they've had at least 
two receivers in the top five, if not three, because Stafford's been in and out. Walker and Williams have been up there all year, and, and Riley is, is the passing leader in the league. But why, why can't they drive the ball? Specifically last night. I mean, you get two or three first downs late in the game, you win, even if you don't score. Why, why can't they drive the ball? What do you think's going on? Well, I think that you look at the first series when uh, uh, J.C. Sherrod intercepts the ball. Okay, Intercepts the ball, Edmonton's get the ball, what, on the 36-yard line of Hamilton? You're, you're already in field goal range. First play, 15-yard penalty by Bond. 15-yard penalty takes you out of field goal position. Now, the, the Edmonton Eskimos offensive line leads the CFL in penalties as a group. So, and, and, then, and in the last, they gave up three sacks last night. So now in, in the last four games, they've given up 15 sacks. So, so where, is, where, where is the one area of emphasis that if they could cut down on the penalties and, and, and play better and do the things they need to do, it, it, has, to be, it has to start with that group. And, uh, and I know they've got some quality people there, but that group has killed them in drives. And uh, and it's and and you know that they didn't take all the penalties in the first half, but certainly they're a team that if you look back and how many times because even in that play I think it was a seven yard completion to Hazelton, so they lost the seven yards, but then lose the fifteen. So so they lost twenty two yards in that play and completely took them out of the ability to score points. And when that happens early in the game, when you see those momentum killers early, especially if if you've had a number of those things over the course of a year, it's very easy for a group to go, oh, here we go again. And and that's what's happening to those guys. And that it took them that whole first quarter of funk before they figured before they were able to get uh, to get uh, uh, lucky with. Well, I say lucky because Riley was literally about a half an inch from that that uh, fantastic, fantastic ninety five yard touchdown pass to to uh, uh, Duke Williams uh, from that being called back. So uh, that they they uh, they didn't do enough, uh, but yet they fooled themselves into thinking they'd done enough. Blake Dermott, our Eskimos analyst, joining us on Inside Sports tonight. I, I got to ask you about the defense who could not get off the field on second down and, and sometimes second and long, and, and then they couldn't get off the field, obviously, on the third down play, nor stop Tasker from running into the end zone. Um, I, I, I said this last night because I know, you know Mike Benavides gets criticized a lot as defensive coordinator, but I said to Morley and Dave, when he calls a blitz, the other team gets yards. When he calls a zone, the other team gets yards. When he calls man-on-man, man, the other team gets yards. <laughs> and, and, and you always make the point, you don't know, you know, you, you can't always know what the play call is when you're just watching the game. I, I mean, is, do, do they have the athletes on, on, on defense? Do they have enough guys who can cover and stop plays? Well, you know, it's funny. I said before the game that, uh, you know, the defense has, has given up between 20 and 25, 20 and 25 points a game uh, on average for the course of the, the season. And if, if that's what you're giving up, uh, as a as a defense in the CFL, you're going to win most of those games. I said Hamilton's going to have to score more than 24 points to win this game, and lo and behold, they they that's all they scored, and they still won the game. And and it was really a letdown by the offense last night. I mean, the, the defense allowed 500 plus yards of offense. They allowed themselves to stay on the field, and that allowed them to get tired. So, in the end of the game, when Tasker's running and two and three guys are hitting them, can't bring them down. That's the reason why that happened because because they hey we're out there the whole game but your offense has got to do something keep some drive get some drives going when you get a hundred yards of offense in two quarters in the second half your defense is going to get tired and uh, I up until that point in spite of the fact that the the uh, um, the defense gave up the yardage that they did I didn't think they played that poorly yeah they got they gave up some plays 
but they they managed interceptions, they managed turnovers, they they uh, they they did enough to keep Hamilton off the scoreboard until late in the game, and they just couldn't get any help from their offense. Blake, you, you touched on leadership and and on on Mike Riley, who was the MOP and who has gaudy stats again this year. Is this? And I mean, you, maybe you've been through this in a locker room yourself, either as a as a player or or now as a coach. And I know you you know you're coaching younger guys, but this is is this the is this the downside of having a, a player like Riley? I mean, you referenced players waiting around and waiting for him to do something, as opposed to saying, "I'm going to be the guy. I'm I'm I can be the star." I'm going to take leadership and not take a penalty and, and lead. And like, is 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 this the downside of having the MOP on the team that they've gotten too used to him pulling it out and doing excellent things himself? Well, I don't, I don't want to say that that's a downside um, because because frankly, I would rather play with a Mike Riley than play with uh, um, pick any quarterback for uh, for Montreal. Uh, you know, and it, then because that that's what's gonna that's what's gonna put points on the board is having somebody that good, but. Typically, you find leaders that I mean, you, the, the, people have to remember that football is a is a game uh, that's played by alpha males. Okay, this is a bunch of guys that are have a whole lot of confidence in themselves. They have they have a, a very high opinion of their abilities, and and typically these are guys that are very aggressive. And so what ends up happening when you've got somebody that is like a Mike Riley that 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 brings these other alpha males brings these other players uh uh their competitive level their compete level it raises that and uh and so then you get these other guys that are saying look i want some of the limelight i'm going to do this i'm going to do that i'm going to you know you, you understand what i'm saying they and I, I don't see that with this team I, I i don't see guys that are elevating their game to try to match what mike's doing and that's what typically happens when you have outstanding quarterbacks you have a bunch of out, uh, guys that are outstanding in other positions because they're trying to compete with at that level, and and the Eskimos don't seem to have that now. Well, week and a half before their next game, obviously the toughest possible opponent that you can have in the CFL, that being the Calgary Stampeders. Uh, that's September third, and then the rematch is September eighth. Uh, Blake, I quickly uh, googled now. In 2015, the Eskimos were six and four, and then ran the table and uh, you said that's possible but it's also possible you could win the lotto max tonight just quickly googled that blake one in 28.6 million <laughs> so uh good luck to you and uh good luck to the eskimos going uh eight and oh the rest of the regular season <laughs> okay thanks a lot <laughs> That is Blake Dermott checking in, our Eskimos analyst here on 6.30. Chet, and uh, he, uh, like uh, all of you, not pleased with what transpired last night in Hamilton. It's it's almost like this is going to sound hokey. Do, do they just need to, to look at each other and say, you know, you can trust me? Or was it the 05 team that, that did that? Because there is a... Uh, there seems to be a shortcoming of resilience on the team. That's unfortunate. Some guests on Inside Sports get gift certificates to Northern Chicken, bringing down-home Southern food and other tasty treats. Salivate over the menu at northchickenyeg.com. Well, some optimism from Red Boots on the text line. The Eskimos just want to make things interesting. I predict the Eskimos will win the Labor Day Classic in Calgary. That is from Red Boots. Hope you're right, Red Boots. Back after the news.
630 Chad Inside Sports with Reed Wilkins. Weekdays at 6 on 630 Chad.